I feel like a little boy who was handed a beach pail and told to go empty the ocean. Empty the ocean with a little bucket. Where do you start? Talk about an overwhelming task to take a little bucket and to empty the ocean. In fact, you and I know it's an impossible task, but here's the truth. When that little boy dips that bucket in the ocean, every drop of water in that bucket will be ocean. He didn't get it all, but he got some of it. And that's my prayer this morning as I come to you to talk to you about your worship of our great God. I feel like a little boy who's been told to empty the ocean with a bucket. And we won't get it all, but we'll get a bucket full. And I hope that it will be a challenge and a help and encouragement to you. I want to talk to you today about your personal worship, your individual worship, the time that you spend worshiping God. Now, I'm not talking about church service like this. We've been worshiping, and I'll be honest with you, I feel like we've been to church this morning. My heart has been thrilled. I've been just uh, just worshiping the Lord along with everybody here today. And what a blessing all the music has been up to this point. But I'm not talking about a corporate worship service like we're having right now. I'm talking about your personal, individual worship. The ways that you honor and worship God personally. Now, we're beginning a new series today. And it's a series we simply entitled Reach. And beginning today and then for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about reaching up, reaching in, and reaching out in 2024. And today, we're talking about reaching up in our worship to God. Now, before we get to the specifics about how to do that, I think we probably should talk about a very important question, and that is, what is worship? What is worship? I think many people, when you talk about worship, they're going to automatically go to the idea of what we're doing right now, a worship service. And, of course, this is part of our worship. Some people even go a step uh, further and they'll say, well, worship, they'll focus on the music. They'll talk about a worship team or a worship band or a worship leader, someone who sings. And, of course, that is worship. In fact, all that we're doing right now is worship to our God. In fact, the whole church meeting is worship, our praying, our giving, our singing, our fellowshipping. It is all to bring honor and glory to God. All of that's included in worship. But I want to really focus in on the most basic level. What is worship? Well, worship at its most basic level is ascribing worth And in this context, it's ascribing worth to God. It's exalting God. It's praising God. It's reverencing Him, adoring Him, admiring Him, glorifying Him. In fact, worship, that word worship is a noun, but it's also a verb. Worship is something that we do. We perform acts of worship. D.A. Carson noted that worship is adoration and action. It's a noun and a verb. Our adoring God, our thoughts of God, our exalting God, realizing how great God is, leads us to worship Him with acts of service and exaltation. 
And worship is not just something we do on Sunday mornings. It's not just something we do in a worship service. It's supposed to be something that we as followers of Jesus Christ do all the time. It's a lifestyle. It's who we are. We are worshipers of God. Now, by the way, we worship now, but do you realize we're going to worship for all eternity? There are some things that we're not going to be doing in heaven. You won't be evangelizing in heaven. You won't be telling lost people about Jesus in heaven. If you're going to tell them about Jesus, you better tell them now before it's too late. We won't be evangelizing in heaven, but beloved, we'll be worshiping in heaven. We'll be worshiping for all eternity. We worship now and we're going to worship then. But don't take my word for it. We're going to go to the Scripture. If you would, open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 7. We'll be there in a moment. Before we get there, let me just mention two other verses as you're turning to Revelation 7. The first one is this, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. I'll put it on the screen for you. And it says very simply, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatever you do, whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. Eat to the glory of God, drink to the glory of God, do whatever it is you're going to do, do it to the glory of God. Exalt God in it. And then secondly, Romans 12, 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies, notice this, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, that's for right now. That's where we live right now. That's what we're going to be doing right now. But I mentioned a moment ago that we're going to be worshiping throughout eternity. And that's why I ask you to turn to Revelation 7. And it's a marvelous scene in Revelation chapter 7. Drop down, if you would, to verse number 9. Revelation chapter 7, verse number 9. I want you to hear what it says. After this I beheld, and lo, a great multitude which no man could number, of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God which sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne and about the elders and the four beasts and fell before the throne on their faces and did what? It says they worshipped God saying amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be unto our God forever and ever. Amen. We worship now, but we will worship forever. And in this message for the next few minutes, I just want to challenge all of us personally to reach up in our worship every single day. Now, to do that, there is one great big hurdle that we have to overcome. There's a major obstacle to our worshiping of God. And that obstacle comes, and sometimes we don't even know that we have it. We don't even know that we're doing it. And it's the idea that there is a division in our lives between the sacred, that which is holy, and the secular. The sacred and the holy. In other words, there's a difference between Sunday and the rest of the days of the week. I'm afraid that a lot of people, even Christians, they live with this division in their minds that there's a difference between the sacred, those things that are holy, and they think about things like church and, 
and prayer meeting and all those sorts of things, singing and hymns. And, and there's a difference between that and their, what they call their secular life, their work on Monday, going to school, all of that. That they consider that what they do on a Sunday is worship. What they do on Monday morning is not worship. Working and school and chores and all the rest. They don't see that as worship. They don't see those things as holy. They don't see those things as sacred. Now let me ask you something. I have to think about this. Remember the Lord Jesus, He's always been God, always will be God. He was God before He became a man. But you remember the story we just celebrated Christmas. You remember when the Lord Jesus came and He robed Himself in flesh, perfect God, perfect man. He was born to the Virgin Mary. You remember He lived upon the earth. Now let me ask you a question. And you be honest. Would you agree that everything that Jesus did while He lived upon the earth was holy? That Jesus lived a holy life? Would you agree with that statement? Everything He did was holy. Let me just make sure I understand. Let's go a step further. If you believe that everything that Jesus did while He was upon the face of this earth as the perfect God-man was holy, He always was holy, and all that He did, would you raise your hand real high and say, yes, I agree with that statement. All right. I agree with you. But here's what I want you to think about. How many years did Jesus spend upon the earth in His human body? Now, we don't know the exact age of Jesus. Believe it or not. I went back and looked into this. Scholars tell us that Jesus more than likely lived into his 30s. He ministered roughly for three and a half years. We often think about it as 30 and then 33. So let's just take that as a good average. Let's say that he started his ministry at the age of 30. He ministered for three and a half years. And he died at 33 and a half years old. What did he do during that time on the earth? Well, we only have one glimpse. You have him being born in Bethlehem with the uh, Virgin Mary, and you see the infant Jesus, and then we only have one glimpse into his childhood. Remember the age of 12, they went to the temple. Jesus stayed behind, scared Mary and Joseph to death. They go back and finally find him, and he says what to them? He says, what did you know I had to be about my father's business? And then it says he submitted to them and he went home with them. So the question is, what did Jesus do for 30 years? Because you all just said, you agree that everything that Jesus did upon planet earth was holy. Well, what did he do for 30 years? I mean, we see his earthly ministry, but what did he do for the other time? Well, I'm convinced, and I think it's pretty obvious, we're told in Luke 2.52, That Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. So he grew up just like any young man would have done at that time. He obviously learned carpentry and served with his adopted father, Joseph. He worshipped, he worked, he laughed, he rested, he ate, he went to weddings, he went to funerals, he, he learned, he went to worship services. He did everything that a person would do without sin. He lived a fairly normal, obscure life for much of his earthly existence. And everything that he did was absolutely and perfectly holy. There was no division in Jesus' life. Constantly, he's always talking about the will 
of the Father. His constant focus was the will of the Father, His Father's business. And beloved, as followers of Jesus, that is to be our focus as well. That's why God tells us in 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether you're eating or drinking or whatever you're doing, do all to the glory of God. Shine the spotlight on God. Exalt God. That means everything we do is to be an, an act of worship. Everything we do. By the way, if you can't do it as an act of worship, it's a good sign you probably ought not do it. <laughs> Acts 17.28 says, For in Him we live and move and have our being. So everything we do should be an act of worship. Now listen, don't mishear me. I didn't say come to church to brush your teeth. I hope you brushed your teeth this morning. I won't ask for a show of hands. If not, we have plenty of mints in the back if you need them. Now that seems like an extreme example. Preacher, you're saying everything we do should be an act of worship. Well, I brushed my teeth. How is that an act of worship? Well, I know that's an extreme example, but again, it's just showing that in your mind, you're associating worship with a place and a time rather than a lifestyle. You're showing that there's kind of a division in your mind. By the way, how could we brush our teeth to the glory of God? You probably never thought of that. I'm not sure I ever thought about that until I prepared this message. How can we glorify God by brushing our teeth? Well, I want you to know if you'll brush your teeth, you'll be a blessing to others. <laughs> you could hum a hymn while you brush your teeth. You could pray a silent prayer while you brush your teeth. You could memorize a Bible verse you have taped to your bathroom mirror while you brush your teeth. Or you could just enjoy and appreciate the moment that you have alone. Those who have young children, you young moms out there, if you have a moment in the bathroom to brush your teeth with nobody pulling on you, you are going to raise your heart in thanksgiving and praise to the Lord. It could be you just enjoy the silence. Why? It could be that you just lift your heart in gratitude. In so many ways, listen, in so many ways we don't have to do anything to worship God if we'll live with a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving. That you're just grateful. Thank you, God, i got teeth to brush. You've got to tear down that wall of division in your mind between the sacred and the secular. We're to be a Christian at all times. Now I want to talk to you in the last few minutes we have. I'm going to speed ahead. You're going to be blessed today. I'm going to skip over some stuff because we're running a long time. I want to challenge you today and give you two ways to improve um, your worship. All right? Two ways to improve your worship. The first way I want to encourage you to improve your worship is this. I want you to think about how you can worship God in what you're doing. You might want to start with the big things in your life. You might want to start with where you spend a lot of your time. Let's say work or school. If you're retired, God has blessed you even more. He's given you a greater amount of time to serve Him. But let's just take some of the big areas of your life. You spend a lot of time at work. You spend a lot of time at school. How could you worship God in those places? I mean, obviously you can't always sneak off and get on your knees. You, you want to be a good employee, a good student. You want to do what you're supposed to do. Well, listen, one of the ways you can do that is you can just worship the Lord in, in being kind and gracious and considerate to your classmates, to your co-workers. Having the right attitude as you go about your work. Having the right attitude as you go about your life to show concern for other people. 
To show love. People want to be heard. Did you know that? Some people, they don't get the hit. Nobody listens to them. And I found as I've lived life in, in recent years, if I'll just be quiet and just people just want to talk and just want to be heard. Why? Because when they're heard, they feel valued. They feel valued. See, you don't have to have a praise and worship band come into your school or to your work for you to worship God. You can worship Him as you live like the Lord Jesus lives. As you show love. Now, as God opens opportunities, of course, share the gospel and share your faith. But just by the way you live and conduct your life, you can bring honor and glory to God. Why? Because there should be no division in our life. We're a Christian all the time. Not just on Sundays. Not just on Wednesday nights. Not just when we're at church. We're a Christian all the time. And you're going to be challenged in this. I shared this with our deacons. You know, we had our deacon appreciation and training the other Saturday. And we had purchased shirts for our deacons. We had them embroidered. Said Red Hill Baptist Church Deacon. I took those shirts into the embroiderers. I took them in in, in uh, December, dropped them off, got them back. I went to pick them up the very same week that we were going to have them and give them to the deacons that night for their one of their appreciation gifts. I got to the shop and they brought out the box and the box was there and the fellow went in the back and I thought, well, I'm just going to see what these look like. I opened them up and looked and in horror I read Red Hill Baptist Church. Decan or decon. It was spelled D-E-C-A-N. The decans. I told the lady, I said, we're a country church, but I think people are going to know this about the decans. I was not, I'll be honest, I was not happy. I mean, we have taken the time, we got all this money and these shirts and all this stuff, and, and I had to realize she knows you're with Red Hill Baptist Church. <laughs> She's probably figured out you're the pastor at Red Hill Baptist Church. Be careful what you say. Be careful what you do. Be careful how you walk at this moment. But here's the reality. It doesn't matter that I was picking up shirts for the church. I could have been picking up dry cleaning for myself. I am a Christian. I represent Christ. And I should always represent Christ. And by the way, that's, that's good preaching and hard living at times. I want you to think about how you can worship God where you are, what you're doing. The second thing, and we're done. I want you to take just five minutes. Just five minutes. Now, the first thing I gave you will take you no more time. It's not adding anything to your schedule. Now I'm going to add five minutes to your schedule. You can get up earlier five minutes, go to bed later five minutes, or just take it from somewhere in your day. Take five minutes at lunch, five minutes at breakfast. It doesn't have to add to your day, but I just want to add five minutes to your schedule. Now if you're already doing what we're about to talk about, I want to encourage you to add five minutes to what you're already doing. I'm going to give this to you quick because we're out of time. You say, what, what do you mean just five minutes? I want you to take five minutes every day, beginning today, and worship God. You say, what do I do with the five minutes? Well, here's, I'm going to give you a plan. Minute number one, I want you to praise the Lord. Just thank Him. You're not asking for anything. You're just exalting Him. Thank you, Lord, for the day. 
Thank You for life. Thank You for waking me up. Thank You that You're so good. Thank You that You're holy. Thank You that You love me. Thank You for being so wise and so wonderful. You're just praising God for who He is. You're just exalting God. You're not asking for anything. That will come later. Just five minutes now. You can set a timer. But for one minute, focus solely upon God and just praise Him. Now you're to minutes two and three. Say, so what do you do? You read your Bible. You take in some Scripture. You can use a devotional, but just make sure the devotion has Scripture. You say, well, I can't read a lot of Scripture in two or three minutes. That doesn't matter. You see, you're letting God speak to you through His Word. You can choose whatever you want to read. You can read a psalm. You can read a proverb. You can read a book of the Bible. Whatever it is. Whatever you choose. Ask God to give you guidance in that. But just for two minutes, two and three, for two minutes, you're going to take in God's Word. You might start with Psalm 23. And for that two minutes, you just read, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, leading beside the still waters. You're just going to take in God's Word. You're going to let God speak to you. And now you're on to minutes four and five. You ready? You're going to pray. And in minutes four and five, you're going to now speak to God. Simple. Just five minutes. So, preacher, how much difference could five minutes make? It can make an eternal difference. See, what I'm trying to do is to help you to establish a habit in your life. And it's not about the habit, it's about the relationship. We're trying to install a habit of spending five minutes in worship in order to grow your relationship with God. If you were having trouble with your spouse and you came to me and said, preacher, look, we're having trouble at home. We're just not communicating. I might would say to you, listen, I want you to take five minutes. You choose the time. Five minutes at breakfast, five minutes if you're together at lunch, maybe you both work, you come home at supper, or five minutes before you go to bed. Your choice. But I want you to put on your calendar, put a note on your phone, make it remind you, put an alarm on there, and for five minutes I want you to sit down with your spouse and I want you to talk for five minutes every day. Now, you haven't been talking much and you haven't been talking very well with each other, but now you're making a conscious effort for five minutes to spend together. Now, now that's a good habit, but it's not about the habit. What is it about? The relationship. Because you go now for five minutes a day times seven. I know we got new math now, but is that still 35 minutes? <laughs> 35 minutes, you and your spouse are communicating now. You weren't communicating before very much. You weren't communicating very well very much. But now for five minutes, and here's what I know is going to happen. There are going to be some nights when you sit down and it's going to exceed five minutes. It's going to be 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 20 minutes. And it's going to grow. And that's why I want to encourage you to start. See, sometimes you say, oh, it's the new year and I, I want to read my Bible. I'm going to start an extensive study in the book of Leviticus this year. Please don't do that. Just start with five minutes. You can do this. Everybody can do this. Five minutes. Minute one, it's all about God. You're just praising the Lord. Minute one, you're praising Him. Minute two and three, you're taking your Bible and you're just letting God speak to you. And minutes four and five, you take those minutes and you talk to God and you pray. And I guarantee you, I guarantee you, 
if you'll do that faithfully day after day after day after day, you will grow in your relationship with the Lord. And furthermore, you will grow in your devotional time and your quiet time. Because what you'll find is five minutes is not going to be enough. Because that hunger and that desire and that fellowship that you have with God is going to grow. And before long, you're going to say, you know what, I, I need to do 10 minutes. I need to do 15 minutes. And some days maybe you have longer than other days, but the main thing is that you're allowing time to worship God personally with just five minutes. And then let Him grow you and let Him grow that time. So here it is. Just two things I want to give you today. Number one, I want you to think about how can you worship God and what you're doing? What is it that you can do to exalt God to magnify God, to thank God where you are, doing what you're doing. And then number two, would you take beginning today, you choose the time, you choose the place, you choose the scripture. But I mean literally, put it on your calendar, put a reminder, an alarm, whatever it is, and say, you know what? I'm going to spend five minutes with God today. The first minute I'm going to praise Him. The second and third minute I'm going to let Him talk to me. And the fourth and fifth minute, I'm going to talk to him. And it will change your life. Will you take the challenge? I hope you will. I pray you will. Because it will change you forever. Father, we are so grateful today that you give us the privilege of reaching up in worship to you. Father, help us to live for Christ everywhere we are all the time. Remove this whole mindset that there's a difference in our life between Sunday and Monday. Help us to see all of our life is sacred. That we're to bring glory to you whether we're eating or drinking or whatever we're doing. Father, I know that this may be a challenge for some and they're even afraid to even take the challenge of setting aside five minutes. They may have tried before, they failed. Or would you give them courage? Would you give them strength to lean on you and make a commitment today to begin spending at least five minutes growing in their time with you. And would you bless them as they do it? Would you change their life forever? And we'll praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to close today with number 18. It's a little chorus. I think it's a good one to end on. As we think about 1 Corinthians 10.31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. And this song says that. Father, we love you. We worship and adore you. Glorify thy name. And then Jesus and then the Spirit. By the way, I know that um, we're done here, but if we can serve you in some way, I'm here. Pastor Larry's here. Others are here. We would love to minister to you. If we can do that, just let us know. But let's sing this little chorus and we'll be dismissed. All right, Number 18, let's stand together and sing. Thank you.